say. It's very impactful when you can't read and so. When Uriah's wife heard of her husband's success, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared its food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep and cattle, preferring for the traveller who had come to him. Instead, he took the new lamp that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over, because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you, and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will lie with your wife in broad daylight, you did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. This is the word of the Lord. Size 14 dress 
gained so much weight in a few years because of our undisciplined eating habits. What was shocking was that she saw how big she was getting and ignored all the warnings from family, friends, and health professionals. By the time she was in her early thirties, she had so many bariatric surgeries and was bedridden due to being overweight. Despite this situation, whenever she was tempted, she would hide and eat what the doctors told her to avoid. Sadly, this eventually led to her sudden death before age 40. The doctors confirmed that if only she resisted the temptation to go back to her old habits, she would have lost weight considerable and lived longer. All of us here are tempted every day. Satan is trying to find something that we stick in our minds that we will act on. And it is this temptation that is the focus of our Bible reading this morning. Now, let us explore together how David dealt with temptation in his days. Number one, David was not where he's supposed to be. He should have been on the battlefield with his troops. There are some things you cannot delegate, in particular, the things that God has given us to do. God holds us responsible for what he asks us to do. David delegated something he had no right to delegate. David represented God's authority. He carried God's authority. And Bible says in verse 2 of 2 Samuel chapter 11, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. In those days, the roof of houses were usually flat. And from the roof, he saw a woman betting and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Notice that David is getting up from his nap when he should have been out there in the field fighting against their enemies. He's stretching and he's walking and he sees Bathsheba. David is not where he's supposed to be. And he is seeing what he's not supposed to see. Then number two, David should have walked away. This is the first decision point for David. He could have said, no, I'm not going to give in to this temptation. I'm not going to fall for it. I see this woman and she is gorgeous. But I'm just going to walk away. David did 
not do that. He sent and inquired about the shepherd. He wanted to know more about her. When you are in charge and you see the possibilities and you ponder over it around in your mind, you are thinking about how good it is going to be to give in to this temptation. David is in charge. <clears throat> Verse 3 of chapter 11 says, Is it not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliab, the wife of Uriah, the Hittites? David ignores the information he receives about Bathsheba. This is the second decision point for David. He knows the woman is married. He should walk away. If we look at the first part of 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8, the Bible listed the names of the mighty men whom David had. The chapter goes through the list of these men, and in verse 39, we see Uriah the Hittite. Then if we go to 1 Chronicles chapter 11, in verse 26, we see the beginning of those who were members of David's valiant men. Then if we go to verse 41, we see again Uriah the Hittite. David had 37 men, warriors he depended on, that he trusted with his life. Uriah the Hittite was one of those men. He finds out that Bathsheba is Uriah's wife. I think at this point that David should have walked away. This is the wife of one of your most trusted soldiers, one of your mighty men. But David did not do that. In verse 4 of chapter 11, David sent messengers. David lost, overrules his conscience. When he sent messengers, all of his options was limited. When he sent messengers, he was on his own. He was no longer in God's will. Remember, the temptation is not the issue. But yielding to the temptation, that is the issue, that is the problem. When we choose to violate God's will, we expose ourselves to the devil's attack. One question from this passage could be, why didn't Bathsheba say no? Why? The king could have any woman he wanted whether she was married or not. That was common practice. David knew he was getting ready to break the law. Again, verse 4, she came to him and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she went back home. Then verse 5 says, the woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. According to the law, if 
if a man and a woman committed adultery, they were to be stoned. Adultery was a death sentence. So Bathsheba tells David, she's pregnant. Now hear Bathsheba's real question. What are you going to do about it? You are the king. I'm nobody. I have no choice. Am I going to have to die? Everything David does from verse 6 to verse 25 of chapter 11 is called covering your sin. Even though David had made wrong decision up to this point, he still had one more chance to repent and ask God for forgiveness. Uriah's death was a tragedy, but a sword kills one soldier after another. Uriah was one of David's valiant men. He was one of his most trusted defenders. He was not a soldier that could be killed by just any arrow. He did things in battle that ordinary soldiers could not do. Second Samuel chapter 11 concludes with these words in verse 26 and 27. And the Bible says, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And the time of mourning was over. David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife, and bore him a son. But look at the last verse of that verse 17, uh, 27, sorry. He says, for the thing David had done displeased Hear this today. What displeased the Lord thousands of years ago still displeases the Lord today. It has never changed. So David marries Bathsheba. Nothing has happened. A year has passed. This child is born. And all this time, God silent. Then we now move on to chapter 12. In chapter 12, God is no longer silent. In verse 1, God, the Lord, sent Nathan to death. God initiated the move and stepped in. In Genesis, Adam and Eve, he, when they sinned against God, and God came. David kept silent. And God came. This is the grace of God. God initiated the move to save David from his sin, from the guilt and shame of sin. God wants to restore him because he is not finished with David yet. God did not come to condemn him or lay a guilt on him. 
Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. From this passage, we can see how Prophet Meta brings up the matter through a story. How gentle can you be? And he says about a poor man with an ill lamb, a pet lamb in his house. It is like a daughter to him. He has a rich neighbor who has a very large number of sheep and cattle. But when a visitor came, he took the poor man's lamb to prepare a meal. Imagine this. We are all angry at this. Just like David in verse 5. And David said, The man who did this deserves to die. It is so easy to see the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. We are so quick to judge others, so quick to conclude, so quick to gossip, to backbite, but we don't think about our own faults. We never in any way acknowledge our own shortcomings. Then verse 7. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Nathan went on to recount the facts and state the consequences of his sin. David saw the light and confessed. He did not deny or debate. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. In verse 13, Nathan's immediate response was, The Lord has taken away your sin. God did not come to condemn him. He came to forgive him. First John chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. To break marriage vows with an adulterous relationship is still a willful sin. Even though many people do this today, God sees every sinful thing we do and eventually we make them known. David may have healed his sin from other people. But the Lord saw what he did. We must understand that God does not settle his account at the end of each month or at the end of each year. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Life was not pleasant for David while he tried to live with the guilt of his sin. Just an illustration. Guilt 
operates much like the warning light on a car. If you are driving along and the light flashes, say, service engine soon, service engine soon, you have a choice. You can stop a car, open the hood, and see what is wrong. Or you can ignore it and keep on driving. No one will know the difference until you burn up the engine. At that point, we realize what a stupid decision it was not to pay attention to the light on the dashboard. Some Christians are like that. When the light of guilt begins to flash, they choose to ignore it and keep on going. Then somewhere down the road of life, their lives fall apart. And they realize what a foolish decision it was to not stop and confess their sins. That's what David was trying to do. He was trying to ignore his conscience. But it was not working. After the adultery and murder, David was struggling. Psalm chapter 32 indicates he was experiencing sleepless nights. Everywhere he turned, he was reminded of it. David was tormented by his guilt. And I want to leave you with this three points as you reflect on this message. And he says, feelings of guilt are God's way of wanting us to confess our sin. Two, true repentance begins with an open confession. And finally, Psalm 51 verse 17 says, the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contract heart. God will not despise. Is there something that you need to open up to Almighty God? Not me. Don't come to the vicar to confess. Go to the Almighty God. Those who see what is inside and speak to him. Are you feeling guilty about anything? Or do you think, oh, I might have done it this way? This is now the opportunity for you to think again. Tomorrow might be too late. Today is now the opportunity. Let us pray. Wonderful God, give us the grace to become the hearers of your word and not only the doers. And help us, Lord Jesus.